Good evening, everybody. It is Saturday night, uh, September the 18th, year 2010. I'm Ron Hughes, and we will call Patricia here very quickly. But first, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the station. Bless all the listeners and supporters. And let us think about the upcoming auction. That's not too far away. Bless it that will maintain doing your will. And thank you for the opportunity to do it. Look after all our listeners and our family who might be going through some personal difficulties at this time. Health, financial, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, here we go everybody. Let's get ready. Here we go. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPO, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then popular comedy team of Fibber McGee and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on, and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Fibber McGee and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC, and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight is one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration. We will revive that famous broadcast of Fibber McGee and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Fibber McGee and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years a man to whom nothing is impossible. 
I refer, of course, to the resident of 79 Wistful Vista, Molly's husband, Fibber McGee. As we look in on the McGee's, Fibber is tinkering with his old 1926 Super Heterodyne radio set. He is, in fact, known as the biggest tinker in radio. Mrs. McGee makes a fairly safe statement. She says... It'll never work, McGee. What do you mean, it'll never work? My gosh, Molly. Let me get this straight again. Huh? You claim that you can fix this radio set so it'll tune in programs that were broadcast 20 years ago? 25 years ago, even. I'm rewiring it so I can tune it to different years instead of different stations, you see? No, I don't. Well, look, Tootsie, according to the McGee theory of radio Dianetics, which I'm the guy that thought it up, I claim that when you hear a broadcast once, that ain't necessarily the end of it, see? It don't just disappear. In other words, old radio programs never die. <laughs> I know one that dies every Tuesday night. Well, that ain't what I mean. I mean, they're still out there, bouncing around in the air, waiting for somebody to tune them in again. And I'm the guy that can do it. What's our congressman's phone number? Why? Well, if there isn't a law against that, I'll help him write one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you change your mind when I get this baby working, Molly. We'll make a few more adjustments here. Get the king bolt tightened up a little bit. I'll be ready to try it and... You want to buy a duck? No, I'm not interested in any poultry, bud. I'm trying to... Hey, who said that? Why, I don't know, McGee. There's nobody here but us. I'm going to turn off the radio, will you, Molly, while I work on this? Radio? Hey, the radio. It's working. You hear it, Molly? It works. Hush, listen. My goodness, it sounds like New Year's Eve, McGee. I wonder where that... Boy, oh, boy, I told you I could make it work and... You nasty boy! McGee! That's Joe Penner. Why, he used to be one Listen, of... Listen, Elsa. Remember him? Ben Burney? Oh, yes. I used to love him. Smart of time. Everybody wants to get into the action. My God. Tony Wan. <laughs> oh, McGee, that's Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Durante. Boy, this is wonderful. Gee whiz, I can tune in any program I want. Hush a minute, hush. Let's listen to this one first. What year now are we listening to? I can't tell yet. The dates are all scrambled up on the dial here, but I can fix that. And my name, darling, is Lula Bankhead. Did you hear that? I got Congress, Senator Bankhead. No, no, that got is... a deep voice on him, hasn't he? No, McGee, that was... Shh. My goodness, this is exciting, McGee. Can you tune in just any program you want to hear? Anything back to 1926. That's when the first big network started. NBC in 1926. Oh? That's when we bought this old super heterodyne, remember? Oh, do I remember. Yeah. You lugged this thing home, strung about 200 feet of aerial around the roof, plugged it in, turned it on, and blew out fuses that we didn't even know we had. Yeah, but remember the first program we ever heard on it? There was a, a band out, out in Kansas City. Oh, yes. The Nighthawks. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Coon Sanders and their Kansas City Nighthawks. Yeah. Wait till I tune this... The year 1926. There. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pat Kelly greeting you from Kansas City, where NBC is presenting the Coon Sanders Nighthawks Orchestra. Oh, that's it, McGee. That's them. Relax and enjoy yourselves now while the Coon Sanders Nighthawks go to work on some of these days. I told you this baby would work, kiddo. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is this ever jazzy. Wonderful. Listen, that's great. Terrific. 
And I found my headset, so that's always a good sign. Hello, Patricia. You found me, too. I know. Hi, Walden. Happy Saturday. I thought it was Friday today. <laughs> and there it is, Saturday already. How did this happen? Well, you know, when you're having fun, time flies, they say. It is true. And we're halfway to October, which is Halloween time, which is just before Thanksgiving, which marks the beginning of the Christmas season. I'm still not finished with February, Walden. <laughs> Somewhere, somebody stole all of my months this year. But it's fun. Hi, how are you? Did you have a good week? I had a great week. I'm learning, I'm putting more programs in my computer. I'm getting it all hooked up. I can start doing the remarkable thing of getting into the 21st century in terms of a digital recording. I just installed it before the show, thanks to Mom's help. Uh, a program that will record things off the internet for me. And the nice, thing, the nice feature about it, I can tell what day, what time I want it to record. And it'll have to be there. That's pretty amazing. You, I know. I know. I don't even, I can't even get half of what's out there in my head. I, I just can't get my head around it. I just catch up with one thing and somebody tells me I'm three and a half years behind, <laughs> <laughs> behind the schedule. I feel so inadequate. Well, I'm it, really impressed because you've been kind of limited. You've uh -huh. been constrained or restricted in the number of things that you can do with your equipment. And this is really cool. You, well, this is a major step up. Oh, it is. But again, I still got the task at A. I got to learn it. So good thing I have friends that think they know what they're doing. Minor problem. Yeah. Yes. And B and B does it work with my software? So, you know, I, I'm taking a big leap in faith. So I went ahead and buy the software and just hope and pray it's gonna work. So, uh, that's okay. Life is full of challenges. Why not this? So. Surprises. What? Well, yeah. Yeah. You have only good surprises in your life. My wish for you. Oh, I appreciate that. And I wish that we have phone calls tonight at seven one four. Five four five two zero seven one. We had tons of phone calls two weeks ago. Last week, I think part of the family went to bed, so they didn't bother to get up at two in the morning to give us a call. But we still were pretty active. They were exhausted from the week before. I think you're right. You know. So that means tonight we're going to have lots of phone calls because we've got a super subject for tonight. I mean a dynamite subject. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is ice cream. Food. Can you believe that? Ice cream. Tonight is ice cream night. We're going to talk about memories of ice cream flavors, ice cream fountains, ice cream sodas, uh, just everything. Good humor trucks, favorite flavors, everything about ice cream tonight. Who do we have on the phone? I don't know. Let's find out. Hello to call. You are on with Patricia. Well, I just had dinner, so ice cream is going to have to wait. Hello, Larry Gasman. How are you? Hi, Larry. Hi, Patricia. I didn't recognize your voice. Thank goodness Walden's ears are well, on. Well, he's got this radio voice. You know, it's, you know, sort of two different ways over there. So, so low and smooth. How are you? I'm fine. Are you um, doing ice cream with us tonight? What were you just doing with us tonight? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Silly me for even asking it that way. But I was sitting here, and and um, you know I have two hobbies. I'm a barbershopper, and I'm also, of course, involved in old radio. And when I took stuff out of storage, barbershop came out as well as old radio. 
So I have been, uh, today I've been digitizing a lot of my collection and putting it on my hard, external hard drive, and I did the same thing. I'm doing the same thing now with a bunch of uh, radio shows, trying to get them off of open reels and put them on. So that's taking some time. How far does your barbershop collection go back? I mean, did they start recording them back in the 20s? You have any idea? Well, the society started in 38, so okay. I have stuff going back from uh, probably the mid to late 40s. And, uh, you know, the, see, it's easy to do it from CD because those are available. You just burn them. Yeah. But the other stuff is either on record and tape. I don't have a record player anymore. Uh, that makes it tough. Yeah, well, I've got friends who do, and so they took, I had about 300 records almost, and they took them and and recorded them onto DVDs for me, and so now I've, uh, I've <laughs> it's so busy. I've gotten I think I mean there's like there's like maybe sixty or seventy folders on each DVD. So I've gotten through two of them so far, <laughs> and I have uh, or eight more to do, plus a never-ending stack of, of of tapes. You know, I mean yeah. you you know what tapes look like in a room, and and although we don't have them all here, uh, we've got a ton of I still got a lot of them. So I'm going through stuff, and as I can find time, with, I can even do this while I'm working, which is cool, because uh, I, I can let you're getting it paid background. To, you're getting paid to dub. That's pretty good. Well, I'm not getting paid to dub, but I can, <laughs> still, I can still work on my work computer and do all the stuff I need to do. And while that's going, while I'm doing that, I've got you know shows in the background recording. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't stop me from working. I can still you know do the same stuff I always do. Uh, it's just that I've got another. I've got two different computers going at the same time. So yeah, long 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 story is that yeah, I've just been doing a lot of that all day. Any idea when barbershop actually did it come from Europe? What do we know? We know that it came primarily. We think it came. The roots were in the black uh, singers in Africa originally, in terms of the harmonies. Okay. That's what they say now, and then uh, and then gradually, it, it, not so much Europe, I don't think, but it's black and then also jazz. Primarily, long, uh -huh. long, long, long time ago, then it evolved. Old time New Orleans. Kind of, yeah. So it had to have, it probably have a strong gospel roots, if you think about it, because you think traditional blues and jazz uh, came from the church, you know, right. if, if you think about it, sort of probably some trends of that. It's more of the more of the consonant sound. Yeah, uh, most the the, the barber shopping age pretty much much went from maybe 1890 to about 1930, 30. Well, about 30, say maybe 35, but after that you begin to get more harmonies that were dissonant uh, and, and chords that weren't nice necessarily like, you know, major minor seventh chords or major chords. They had fifths, or they had sixths thrown in, and so it gave us, you gave you that jazz flavor like Four Hits and a Miss and Pied Pipers and more of a tighter kind of a harmony. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's not nearly as earable. It is if you're really good and know what you're doing. But it doesn't have the consonant earable sound that the harmonies did before that. So, yeah, rarely did you hear stuff barbershopped from the 40s because the music was different. Did it Did it ever make a comeback from the oh, 50s and 60s or not, or has it always pretty much been steady? Yeah, actually, I think probably a, the, we probably the, the most we probably ever had in our society was probably close to 50,000, probably 45,000 people. Uh, since then, a lot of people have passed away. Some people have left the society. We're probably at about 27,000, maybe 28,000 now. It's the old-time radio dilemma. Well, it's like that with not just those two organizations, but any organization. You know, you, you, eventually when the people who enjoyed it because they remember it, 
mm-hmm. have a memory of it. Once they're gone, then you have to hope that the younger people like me, well, I remember it. I mean, I remember the 60s and the late 50s. But if you, if you have somebody who's, say, in their 30s now and never heard it as it was, mm-hmm. they, have, they have to like it going in because of what they've heard on recordings on tape in order to, in order to further it. If they don't, then it'll die. Because there's nothing, there's nothing to, for nothing for a young person to relate to except for you know what he's heard because he doesn't have the memory. And that speaks to the question that I raise periodically apropos old time radio. What are we doing to cultivate the next generation? What are you doing to cultivate the next generation? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, that commercial break was Melinda, sponsored by, by, by Melinda. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into some people wanted to know if I wanted to help her. Ah. Um, yeah, I, I think probably, that hopefully, radio or any organ, radio barbershop, whatever, will, will will survive on its own merits. I mean, if if it's if it's got whatever it had to hook you and me, maybe in thirty years, whatever that was, the writing, the acting, you know, the the shows themselves will hook people who are younger, or maybe they'll find other things that they want to do. Do people listen as much anymore? Do they stay inside and listen as much anymore? Probably not. Are there barbershop quite a bit on the internet? Oh, yeah. That's probably what's going to survive. I, I hope. I hope because I'm wondering, if, I don't know if there have been any studies done about radio, specifically, especially old radio. Has the resurgence of the internet hurt it or helped it? Well, I think I'm in the camp that I think it's helped. But uh, maybe I'm in the minority. But I guess, I guess it depends on who you're asking. Or hmm. if, you ask, if you ask the old dealers, they're probably, it's probably bad for them. If you ask the clubs, it's bad for them. But I think it's bad for clubs. I don't think it's bad for dealers because the dealers pretty much all have an Internet focus. Yeah. You know, if you look at it, I mean, all Terry Salmonson, although Terry's not involved as much now, but I mean, Jerry Handigas. Yeah. All these guys who, who are selling radio shows all have Internet focus. Right. You have to. Now, the, the clubs, that's another story. You know, 10 years ago, when the Internet wasn't prevalent, I mean, that's how people got their radio shows, or they traded. Right. And now, I guess the question, you know, a lot of them are asking is, why should I pay X amount of money to join an organization, whatever, whoever it is, when I can get it for free, literally, on the Internet, and fast? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but on the other hand, I don't see that many organizations going out of business. I mean, they're all still there, aren't they? I don't think any of them have gone under. Some of the small ones have disappeared. But, yeah. Uh, but, uh... They're hurting. I think what happens, though, Larry, is, uh, is the emergence of a generation who not only appreciates old-time radio, but begins to develop an ear for the more pure sounds. I'm a listener, so that um, the, the quality of the sound is not nearly as important to me as the content and my ability to hear it. To others who start leaning toward the purest end, act, are active with the sellers who provide that level of, um, of quality to them. The quality doesn't matter as much to me on my level. I'm in one camp. I'm not the purist. I'm the simple listener. The purist on the other side who really appreciates the medium as it was produced the first time through are finding it in the sellers on the Internet. People like Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's an evolving thing. It's constantly evolving. Uh, people like me, a listener, g- gradually move over to the the more appreciative and 
of the quality of sound. I'm kind of stuck here. I just enjoy the shows. But so many people move over to really appreciating the, the high-quality sounds. The end. That's my statement for tonight. I'm going yeah. home now. The preceding was a paid political announcement. <laughs> yeah. Or a paid announcement, anyway. Yeah, a, polite, uh, a paid unpolitical announcement. <laughs> right. I, I, just, I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. Uh, well, maybe because of my... years ago, we were saying the same thing, though. Yeah, we were. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't with you for 10, 10 years ago, but people, even Walden, um, Walden, I'll say it early, happy anniversary. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty cool. The, the 10 years since you've been in it, one of the questions, I think, at the outset was, what are we doing? Are, are we going to be saying the same thing in 10 years? Are we going to have a problem in 10 years? I don't know. Uh, everything is pretty much the same in terms of the organizations and in terms of radio shows because we're still finding stuff. Uh, the radio people that that we used to watch, especially when we in, in in California and in New York, at at recreations, most of them have passed away. There are still a few ava- around, but but a lot of them are gone. So we're seeing more and more either uh, relatives and or other younger people doing shows, and it seems to be working. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we, we wondered 10 to 15 years ago what will happen. You know, what will happen with conventions. They still seem to be going on well, and people understand that the people who did the shows in many cases aren't in the kind of shape that they were to do them anymore, so other people do them, and it's working. I think in some ways it's an interesting quant. You know, when I produce reps, uh, my co-producer, Brian Haygood, he has to thinking today that we need to prov- provide a lot more entertainment because we don't have as many of the old-time radio stars. What do you mean by that? Well, for example, in the old days, people would come because they knew they could see Polly Bear, Harry Bartell, a lot of the old-time radio performers. And now, because we're creeping into not as many of them, we need to be somewhat careful in shooting the recreation the recreations and different things today than maybe we were 10 to 15 years ago. Okay, so you're not talking about introducing new forms of entertainment. You're not going to have the court jesters come in to entertain. No, we're thinking about in order to attract, uh, reps has the tendency to attract a younger, uh, a lot of young people who only show up to showcase and not uh-huh. no other event. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we're thinking they need to be entertained or else they're not, they're not going to come back next year. Well, what do you mean by entertained? Uh, seeing shows and recreations that are interesting. In other words, it can't be a run-of-a-mill um, oh, it, syndicated show. Okay. It's got, we need to pick the shows that have... It has to be maybe more general. It can't be something that had its own niche during radio that we liked that we might remember. It's got to be something that will appeal to more people than just a few. Correct. For example... We, for the last several years of rep, we've been doing a fair McGee and Molly mm-hmm. because, A, the quality script, and, B, people like to see the closet. They like to see those things. And let's face it, Larry, when, we, when you were producing, we didn't really need to produce a fair McGee and Molly. We didn't have that. No. Uh, we had the radio people. Right. And we had the programs, which were pretty well scripted because we picked good ones. Right. You know, we didn't pick garbage. No. We picked a good script that we knew was good. Right. I think what you're, if I'm hearing you correctly, Walden, you're talking about shows with real pizzazz and 
audio surprises and, and things that would really activate the mind and keep people's attention as opposed to a presentation. You well, really want to... It's, it's like radio, like television, had good stuff and it had also crap. Right. I, I, think, also, I think also another factor is because we've been bringing in the Chuck McCann and the, and the late Eddie Carroll who are showmen plus performers. People like to see the showman aspect right. of it, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what we've been noticing producing yeah. some of this. you got to do something visually as well, because that's what they're used to today. Right. Yeah. I, I need to interrupt here for just a second to make sure people know you're talking about the radio enthusiasts of Puget Sound in Seattle. That's the RIPS organization. It's an old-time radio organization. I guess they're the largest in the country. And am I correct with that? Uh, about third, third largest. Number three. Yeah. They certainly are one of the most active, and you're talking about the annual presentation called Showcase. We would know it as a convention where you pull together um, old-time radio performers and performers who actually recreate some of the shows that we listen to on old-time radio. Right. Now, flipping to the other side where we're talking about the future, um talking to my friend like Martin Graham to attend FOTR every year, the deals room are decaying really fast. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, because they, they couldn't have enough tables. No. Uh, about about two years ago, about the last time I went in 207, it was down by a third. Oh. And Martin told me it's a lot bigger drop-off today, three years later, than the last time I went. Why is that? Uh, dealers are able to make their living on eBay. There's well, no there's no economic sense for them to come oh, to. Oh, so it's not the people who aren't attending. It's the dealers who would come ordinarily just to do the dealers you got it. who aren't showing up. You got it. Those, oh, the, I misunderstood you. Yeah, those guys are not coming. That, I, I, that's really a puzzle because um, Internet sales and eBay sales should not preclude their attendance. It's actually two different critters, and what they're doing is abandoning one critter and going exclusively with the other, if I'm hearing you correctly. Well, also... It's a lot less money to do it that way than to take a car and drive across the country. I understand that, but you don't have a whole lot of interaction on eBay either. That's true. But they don't care. That's true. The people who just strictly... I think there is two different crowds, Um, and I think this is true for people who are introverts and extroverts uh, in the hobby. I'm just yeah. talking about the hobby itself. There are one who enjoys the social aspect of going to the recreation, going to the shows, and having dinner and talking to people. There are one who all they care about is what new show, and they go to the convention just strictly to go to the dealer's room. And that, that segment are probably figuring anything new. They can get a hold of the dealers directly through the internet or eBay. And the dealers are seeing that. And oh, that interesting. I never would have imagined that there would be a group of people whose primary reason for attending. Click images slash 439,810 underline law. Heading level 4, link 8 news, now iPhone application, heading level...